Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member the training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. are thankful and grateful for this wonderful opportunity you have given us to be in your presence to hear your word we pray lord that your spirit will teach us tonight father we pray that we our lives will not be the same at the end of this service but lord we pray for a change and a transformation in the name of jesus holy spirit no one comes in your presence and leaves the same transform us change us teach us and make us better and better christians we are thankful and grateful in jesus name amen, amen. clap your hands together and you may be seated wonderful and if you will turn your bibles with me to Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. We are coming to an end of our series. But um, I think, um, I believe you have learned something from these symbols and um, I want to say that um, this is a very powerful story a very wonderful story and filled with so many things that pertain to us as Christians and so as we are sharing from this story I want it's not one of the messages that you pass on to others. You realize that you find parts of the messages that at least have to do with you. So I want you to take those messages seriously and reflect on the messages. These, I think some of the things we are sharing are very serious and we ought to take them very seriously. Hallelujah. Luke 15 and verse 11. And he said, there was a certain man who had two sons. Now let us read from the New Living Translation, um, the King James Version, please. The King James Version. It says, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country 
and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father had killed a fatted calf, because he had received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never givest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with halots, thou had killed for him the fathered calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Hallelujah. Amen. Is it a beautiful story? I believe now you can say the story or close your eyes close. Isn't that so? Some of us, when you are reading the story, now you don't even look in your Bible because you know the story. That is how it's supposed to be, that you know the story now very well. How many of you can say that you really know the story? Wonderful. This is a parable that Jesus told. If you look at the beginning of the story, it says, what does it say? Um, the, um, it says, and... The verse, verse 10, what does it say? It says, even so I tell you, there is joy among and in the presence of the angels of God over one especially wicked, I don't know, you like the King James, uh, the uh, uh, Amplified Version today, uh, it's default, I don't know. It says, likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. And then verse 11, it says, and he said, then he told them this story relating to what he was teaching them earlier. Do you understand? Wonderful. So what I, um, what I want you to pay attention to is that when you read a parable, when you, 
read a parable, you are able to understand the heaven's view of things. You are able to understand the heaven's view of things because you are able to relate what is in the story to things here on earth. Do you understand? You are able to relate to the story pertaining to things here on earth. You can assess the magnitude of what we are talking about. So, parables help you to understand the magnitude or the seriousness of an issue. And it helps you to understand the consequences of an issue. What we are really talking about, how that you will imagine it, how it is really, or how it is in real life, actually, what it really means, how the heavens looks at us. Do you understand? So that is what the parable does. So we are reading this story, and it is, we are learning so many things from this story. And we have come to a point where we are learning about unforgiveness. Isn't that so? So we said there's so many symbols that we learn from the um, senior brother or the elder brother. And um, we listed some of these symbols. What are some of the symbols that we learn from this elder brother? That one can be in the father's house and yet have an unforgiving spirit. You can be in a church and yet have an unforgiving spirit. Number two. You can be in the father's, ha- father's house but have not the father's spirit. Is it correct? Have not the father's heart. You can be in the father's house but you do not have the father's heart. Amen. There are people who are in the father's house but they don't have God's heart. Isn't that so? Yeah. They don't have the heart of God. The way God looks at sin is not the same way we look at sin. The way God looks at us when we offend him, it's not the same way we look at others also. Hallelujah. The next one, what did we say? You can be in the father's house and yet have what? An unforgiving heart. Ask your neighbor, do you have an unforgiving heart? Number four. Number four. Their response, your response to your brother shows the real state of your heart. It's not your response to God. Isn't that so? Wonderful. And number five. Making no mistakes can make one develop a too righteous attitude. When you are not making mistakes, it will make you develop too much of a righteous attitude. Hallelujah. And number six, an unforgiving elder brother does not flow in the worship. An unforgiving elder brother. Number seven, what did we say? An unforgiving elder brother does not rejoice when good things happen to others. Does it happen in a church? Does it happen practically among Christians that they are not happy when good things are happening to others? 
They are not happy why you are the one that is being treated this way. They are not happy why you are the one. Are you the only one that is? Are you the only one? They are not happy about that. Christians. We are talking about Christians. Number eight. An unforgiving elder brother is cut off from everything. So we listed off some of the things that he's cut off. So we say he's cut off from the new things that God is doing. The joy of what? He's cut off from the joy of serving the Father. He's excluded from, what did we say? He's excluded from the Father himself. He's cut off completely from the Father when you have unforgiving spirit or when you have an unforgiving heart. Amen. And so we have been talking, we, or we've been saying a lot of things about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. And last week we read another parable and we realized that not forgiving someone's trespasses as small as 100 pence, not forgiving someone's trespasses as small as 100 pence can bring back the 10,000 talents that you have been forgiven of the Father of your own sins throughout your life. Amen. Do you remember that story? That when you have unforgiveness in your heart, we read that story in Matthew chapter 18. When you do not forgive your brother his trespasses, we say, Peter, you see, that you have to understand. This is how the heavens looks at unforgiveness. You have to understand it. Peter came to him because, you see, in the human mind, in the human understanding, you are thinking that you can only forgive a person so much. Do you see? You, that is how you assess it. That is why Peter came to him to ask that question. He says, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? So he was probably expecting, oh, you know, ten times, you know, if your brother sins against you ten times and you are forgiving him, I think it's enough. You should be able to deal with him squarely. You see? So, I mean, it sort of makes sense. And that is our human understanding of things. So then, he said, then, he asked, till seven times, is seven times enough? Like once a week, he sins against me the whole week and I forgive him. Is that enough? Then Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven times. What is 70 times 7? Somebody do the calculation. Let's see. <laughs> 70 times 7. That is, that's one particular sin. One particular sin. Not like he sinned against you many times. That he lied to you one, he stole from you two, you know, he slapped you three, you know, he cheated on you four. No, but he lied to you 70 times 7 times. Forgive him. One sin. Do you understand? You see, what is 70 times 7? Four? 490. Wow. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you two is too much. <laughs> ah. <laughs> 490. Lying to me. is enough. <laughs> so Jesus says, 
but until 70 times 7. And then you continue. Therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened? Do you see? So you see, you will hear 400 and what? 490. Hey! And then he says, you see, that is your human understanding. Therefore, is the kingdom of God likened unto a certain king. Then he started telling a parable, which will take account of his servants. And then he said, quickly, he says, when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. You have no idea what that means. 10,000 talents. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe me. Took him by the throat. You see, this story is not told to unbelievers. These were Peter and his co that were around him. And he was said, so this is not unbelievers. But Christians, they will hold you by the throat. Pay me what you owe me. He says he took him by the throat saying, pay me thou that owest me. And his fellow servants, the same way, also fell down at his feet, worshipping, and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Just the same statement he made to the master. And he will not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. And of course, when the other fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. And his Lord, after, they, after that he had called him, said unto him, Oh, thou wicked servant, I am telling you that this is how heavens look at things when we do not forgive. You are called wicked servant. You are called what? Wicked, wicked what? Servant. servant is what? Someone who is serving God. You are serving God, but you are a wicked servant of God. Do you understand? And that is how heavens look at it. He says, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgive thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. Delivered him, take him away to the tormentors. Away from the father's house. Not coming any near, because the father's house, there were no tormentors. He says, away, take him to the tormentors until all the debt is paid. Amen. So, not forgiving someone's trespasses as small as 100 pence has brought back into consideration your 10,000 talents that you owe. 10,000 talents that you owe. Amen. It's a serious thing, don't you see it? 
Very serious. You see, I look up this, what is one pence? And it's an old Roman coin those days for a day's wages. A day's wages. If you remember the story that Jesus said, the story about the, the workers of the vineyard, Jesus said he invited some people to come to work and he says he, they agreed to a day's wage of a pence, right? Do you remember? And that he will pay all of them equally, even the ones who came late. So that was equivalent to a day's wages for a common laborer, just like this servant who was also in the master's house. So 100 pence is 100 days of wages. Do you understand? 100 pence. That is 100 days of wages. Because a day's wage is a pence, one pence. Now one talent, you see, he owes 10,000 talent. Isn't that so? One talent is equivalent to 6,000 pence. One talent is equivalent to 6,000 pence which is equivalent to 6,000 days of wages, which is equivalent to 16 years of wages. 16 years. One talent. 16 years. You have to work 16 years before he will be able to pay one talent. Do you understand? Now, in today's terms, in today's terms, if we take the average, average, Wage of the day to be hundred dollars. For instance, you babysit a child and they pay you hundred dollars. Do you understand? So, if the average wage for a common laborer you earn hundred dollars, then one talent is six hundred thousand dollars. One talent, six hundred thousand dollars. Do you understand? A thousand talent is sixty million dollars. 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is $60 million. For a common laborer, that would take you 160,000 years of wages to pay. Do you understand why he was going to take his son and his daughters and his wife and everyone for them to work? So the generation to come for 160,000 years, they'll be slaves. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So you see, this is, this is how much the father forgave him. So if you look at things this way, then you can understand why nothing can save you but the blood of Jesus. There is nothing that can save you but the blood of Jesus. There is nothing that you can do to wipe away your sins, except that the blood of Jesus cleanses you and wipes away all of your sins. That is why the Bible says, even your righteousness, after you have done all righteousness, it is like 100 pence. <laughs> then you still owe 160 million or 150, uh, 50, 59,999,000, and so you owe too much. It's still like filthy rags. Do you understand? Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? So you see, Jesus is giving us a parable to make us understand how heavens are looking at things. So you can assess. So you see, when you say that all your sins are forgiven, you don't look like 
not much has been done for you. You don't know that the day you were born again, God gave you 60 million. <laughs> Amen. So not forgiving your brother can bring back all your sins. You remember the day you were born again and it says, Behold, all things have become new. That means that the, when you have not forgiven someone his trespasses, all those things come into play. They have recollected all of them. You owe them again. And not only that, since you became born again, and every day that you are praying, let us pray for forgiveness. Now let us start now praying for forgiveness. And then you start counting and praying for forgiveness. And the Lord wipes them away. You, and then soon after, even our prayer meeting, soon afterwards you go out and then you lie. And then, oh... Then you say, oh, Lord. Sometimes you sin. And then as you turn around and say, oh, Lord, forgive me. You see, then the Lord wipes that one away. You see, so all these ones, all of these ones, they are bringing them back. This is how heavens are looking at unforgiveness. You see, they are bringing all these sins back. And to make you owe them. Amen. So do you realize how unforgiveness can easily take you to hell? Easily. Unforgiveness can nullify your born again sins that were forgiven. That your sins were washed away. That you are singing, you know, I am a new creature. My sin, you, you, that nothing is washed out. Nothing is. <laughs> you are just singing. Unforgiveness. I'm trying to let you see the seriousness of unforgiveness. You see? And a lot of people, if you listen to a lot of people who have had near-death experience or they have had a vision of, you know, and I was taken to heaven and then the angels were taking me to this place and they were showing me this person's mansion, that person's mansion, this person, and then they said, but yours is not here. And you, we are taking you here. And the reason is because of unforgiveness. A lot of times. The reason is because of unforgiveness. So a lot of people who have that second chance, is they are serving God. They are servants of God. Serving God, but they have unforgiveness. And it makes them wicked servants. And that is taking them to hell. And for that, they give a second chance and say, go. Go back. And the reason is because of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Serve God all your years, but because of unforgiveness, it will take you to hell. Hallelujah. Now, as we were sharing last week, we said the sins of the younger son or the younger Christian are so obvious. Do you remember? We said the sins of the younger Christian are so obvious, you know, such as stealing, lying, smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, fornication, you know, what are some of the common sins of the unforgiving, uh, uh, um, younger Christian? Gossiping, stubbornness, disrespectfulness. Isn't that so? What else? No. No, 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 no. You see, right now as you are here, you know, I mean, smoking, is smoking your issue? Drinking alcohol, is that your issue? I said, stubbornness is your issue. Some of us. Right? 
Do you understand? Lying is maybe a little issue, but you know, for the most part, you tell the truth. Isn't that so? For the most part. Disrespectfulness, is that your issue? Except when we give you some posts. Isn't that so? Then you begin, you begin to be disrespectful and things like that. But for the meantime, that your, you know, your job is not working on well, school is, you're not passing tests and things like that, you are not that disrespectful. Isn't that so? Especially you have an exam coming up. <laughs> Amen. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So you see, these are not the kind of sins. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I said you have an exam coming up. So you have to be humble, not be dis- disrespectful, so that you have help and all kinds of things. Isn't that so? But you see, these are not the serious sins of the Christian who is a mature Christian. You see? And so these sins, they are obvious. You can see that, you, I mean, everyone knew about the prodigal son. That he's a bad boy. That he's involved in halots and righteous living. Do you understand? Everyone can see that, you know, look at the rich man's son. Look at what has become of him because of his stubbornness. He will not listen. He's not respectful. And he has taken off. Little boy, where are you going? You see, everyone can see. Look at your elder brother. Look at him. Can't you look at your elder brother and learn from him? Isn't that so? So the sins of the younger Christian, they are not that obvious. But because of that, the younger Christian can easily sort of admit that he's a sinner. Because it's so obvious. It's so obvious, and that is what happened to him. He, he rose up and said, I have sinned against my father. This life is not proper. I will arise and I'll go back to my father boldly and tell him, make my make confession and say, Father, I have sinned against thee and before heavens. I will make the confession. Even if you will not accept me as a son and he will make me as one of the highest servants, I accept it because I deserve it. You see, that is the kind of sin that makes you accept it and even accept a servant's position in the father's house. Because it is so obvious. Hallelujah. Now, the elder brother's sins, unlike the younger brother, his sins are not that obvious, usually. The sins of the elder brother, they are not that obvious, but they carry serious consequences. They are very dangerous. Do you understand? The nature of it is such that the sin may even elude you you yourself. You may not admit that sin, that you have that sin. However, it still carries very serious consequences. Hallelujah. We said last week that the dirty shirt of a little child is obviously dirty. When a little boy has smeared his shirt with chocolate and juice and all kinds of things, you can see that this is dirty and it needs to be cleaned. It needs washing. Do you understand? And usually it is easy to wash such a cloth. It's easy. It's easy when chocolate and juice has come into the child's clothes. It's easy to put it in the um, machine and put some bleach on it and wash it and it's gone. And it's brand new again and it's white. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? However, the dirty shirt of the grown-up, 
the daddy shirt of the elder person is different. It doesn't look obviously dirty. It is a white shirt and we say this shirt needs cleaning, but it doesn't look like it's dirty. Do you understand? If you look at it, you think, oh, you can wear it again. But you can't. It is dirty, but the debt is hidden. The debt of the senior Christian, the sins of the senior Christian, they are not obvious. They are hidden. They are in places where you can see. And they are not easy to clean. You can put it in a machine and clean it, but when you take it out, it's still hidden somewhere. Oh, you don't understand what I'm... You have to wash it again. Sometimes you have to apply special things to certain areas. Such as where? Such as the axillary areas, isn't that so? The armpits and the neck area by the colors, isn't that so? Sometimes certain areas also, which we can say. For the sake of decency, isn't that so? Yeah. So they are obviously, I mean, they don't look obviously dirty, but it needs cleaning. And we are saying that the sins of the younger Christian, they are tolerable. Do you understand? We saw the father standing out, looking out for the son for the day that he will come. And in his sin, before he made a confession, the father welcomed him and kissed him. Do you understand? And kissed him. And before he made a confession that he has rehearsed over and over, the father uh, had organized what needed to be done for him already. Best rope, ring, shoes, and a party. Do you understand? But the sins of the elder son, it's not like that. The sins of the elder son, it's not like that. The older Christian, your sins are not like that. Your sins are repulsive. When the Bible talks about sins that God stands against and God resists and opposes, they are the sins of the older Christian, the mature Christian, the Christian that comes to church on a weekday service. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing? Or you don't understand the message? Do you understand? The sins that are hidden, you can see, they look pure and clean, but they are full of sins. And serious sins, carrying serious consequences, taking you to hell. But you feel so clean and feel so righteous. Hallelujah. They are the kinds of sins that the Father will send you to the tormentors. Send you to the tormentors. These are the sins that are in our hearts. They are not obvious. You can't see. No one can see. No one can see you have unforgiveness in your heart. Who can see? Look at us, among us here. Who has unforgiveness? Amen. So these are serious sins. So you can even have a pastor who is doing the work of God, preaching powerfully, but his heart full of unforgiveness. Full of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness for his wife and unforgiveness for his church members. <laughs> and you cannot see. Can you see? As I'm standing here, can you see that uh, my, I have unforgiveness? 
You can see. You can see. Isn't that so? You can see. Maybe. Can you see? No. So, you, you, you see, it's easy. Are you listening to the message that I'm sharing? It's easy, for instance, to see a pastor or to hear about a pastor who is sleeping with the young girls in the church. Do you understand? It's easy, uh, even if you can see, at least the girls that are sleeping, they can see. Isn't that so? <laughs> you see, they can see as he's standing there, they say, oh, look at this pastor. You see, it's not in his heart, but they can see. Isn't that so? Than a pastor who has unforgiveness in his heart. You can see that one. You can see that one. So it is possible for a pastor who has, who has been sleeping with a young girl to repent and go to heaven than a pastor who has unforgiveness in his heart and doing the work of God and doing the work of God and doing the work of God until he dies. Dying with unforgiveness in his heart. Amen. You, have, you can have a powerful preacher, someone who is very powerful but full of pride. Full of pride. Powerful minister. Full of pride. Anointed minister full of pride. Or full of jealousy. Jealousy of other preachers. Jealousy of other churches. Do you understand? You can have pastors like that. Hungry for power. And full of jealousy. Now you see, the only person that knows, the only person that knows all of this is God. He's the only one that knows. Because he's the only one that sees what is in the heart. He's the only one. So the other brother was serving faithfully in the house of the father, but he was full of unforgiveness. And no one could see that. No one could see that he was full of unforgiveness. So you realize that what is in your heart is very, very important. What is in your heart is very important. And I'm saying that sometimes, even you yourself, you may not know what is in your heart. You may not know what is in your heart. Sometimes you feel that you are forgiving a person until the person comes around. Then you realize that, wow, this thing is in my heart. When the person is away and is gone for a long time, gone away, you may think that you are forgiving the person. But when the person comes around, then you realize that this thing is still in my heart. And so it may elude you. It may not even occur to you that this is in your heart. That is what makes it very dangerous. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. The Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of your heart are the issues of life. Issues of life, they are not on your face. They are in your heart. It says, out of it are the issues of life. Out of it are the real issues of life. Real serious issues of life. They are in your heart. That is why God looks at what is going on in your heart. Because that is where the issues of life are. Real issues. Adley, do you understand the word of God? In your heart. The issues of unforgiveness is not in your face. Salome, do you understand? No one can look in anybody's face and see that. We can see that you are angry, but we can't say that you have unforgiveness in you. 
You are laughing. Most of you smile and you laugh with the person that you are chatting with. Most of you chat with people happily. But your heart is full of unforgiveness against this person. You are laughing with the person and smiling and giving high five. But your heart, you have a lot of unforgiveness for that person. And sometimes you can't take it anymore, so the best thing, you, you avoid the person. Because you cannot afford to smile today. Today, I can't smile. <laughs> today, I'm not ready for that smile. You know. <laughs> so you avoid the person. Completely. Isn't that so? Or this does not happen? Oh, yes. Amen. Jealousy is not easily seen in your face. That you are jealous. It's not easily seen in your face. It's in your heart. Perhaps the elder brother was jealous of his brother. But no one knew. Perhaps he was full of jealousy. We are talking about the serious sins of the mature Christian. Serious sins that are not obvious. They are hidden. They are hidden in the armpits, axillary, and behind your neck. They are hidden. You can, nobody can see. Do you understand? And those kinds of sins, they stink before God. They stink. You see, I can take a baby's clothes that is smeared with chocolate and juice and I throw it on you. You will not be angry. Do you understand? You will take it off and say, oh, and then you take it off. But if I take someone who has walked in the sun, mature Christian has walked in the sun and has sweated, and he was wearing a shirt and a white shirt and a tie, and he has come back home, and then I take his shirt and I throw it on you, you will not be happy. You see, so those sins that are hidden, they are repulsive. They are repulsive to God. Do you understand? They are serious sins to God. Serious. You see, all sins are sins. But there are certain sins, the moment you get involved, you, it carries certain weight that you cannot pay. You cannot pay. It carries certain weight. Hallelujah. One of such sins is pride. Pride. Do you understand? You see, it is a repulsive sin. The moment your pride enters into you, the Bible says you, are, you stand in a position where God is fighting you. You place yourself in a position to invite a fight with God. That you are involved in this particular sin, the moment you enter into the sin of pride, you are positioning yourself for a fight with God. Is somebody understanding the word of God this evening? Yeah. It's a serious sin. But it is hidden. The seriousness the sin is, the less obvious it is. Do you understand? When someone is lying to you, you can tell obviously that this person is lying. When someone steals and is caught, we know that you have stolen and you are caught. Do you understand? When someone is disrespectful, we can tell you are being disrespectful. Amen. When someone is gossiping, we can tell. But when you have unforgiveness in your heart, we cannot see. 
We can see it is hidden. It's not like a, a child's cloth which is smeared with chocolate and made dirty with juice. It's not that obvious. Do you understand? That it needs washing. This cloth needs washing. But the mature Christian's clothes, the mature Christian's sins, such as unforgiveness, it's hidden. It's hidden. You can see it. It's in the heart. It's in the heart. And he looks clean. It's a, a mature Christian's white shirt. And he looks clean. It doesn't look like it needs washing, but it needs washing. And it's, 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 it needs to go to the laundry. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? It needs to go to the laundry. But it doesn't look that obvious. It doesn't look like it needs cleaning. And I am saying that this kind of sin, they are repulsive. I said that sin, the dirty shirt of the baby, if I throw it on you, you will not be angry. You will not be angry at me. Do you understand? Would you be angry? A little baby is drinking juice and some spill in his clothes. He's wearing white shirt, white and his pills. And I throw it at you. Would you be angry? You will not be angry. Do you understand? Does it need washing? When you look at it, doesn't it look to you that this needs to go in the laundry? It does. And when I throw it at you, you will not be angry. But when a mature person, mature Christian, his sin, his white shirt that he has worn for the whole day, if I take it and I throw it at you, you will not be happy. It has a repulsive smell to it. Our sins as mature Christians, they have repulsive smell to it. And so the Bible says in James 4, it says, it says God resists the pride. It means that God opposes people who have pride in them. When you are a proud person, you take a position that God actually fights you. Because that kind of sin is repulsive. It, that kind of sin, it, it, it stands against God. Do you understand? And that kind of sin is hidden in the heart. You can see it. And so you are a Christian that comes and goes, and you, you are a pastor that preaches, you are a, 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 um, a shepherd, you, have vis- you visit people, you are someone who is a deacon in the church, you are this, you are a chorister, you sing powerfully, but your heart is full of pride, and no one can see it. The only person who can see it is God. Do you understand? And he says, when he sees such sin, he, he, he fights you. That means everything that you are doing, God fights that thing. Amen. Pride is one of the sins that hides in our hearts. It hides in our heart. And most proud people, when you tell them that you are proud, they argue that they are not proud. Isn't that so? When someone tells you you are proud, you say, oh, yes. Oh. I know I am very proud. Who has admitted that before? You see, when you are proud and they tell you you are proud, even their pride makes you say that I'm not proud. You get mad. That shows that you are proud. But it carries serious consequences, such as fighting with God. Amen. Amen. The elder brother's behavior revealed that he was proud. It revealed that he was proud. He says, I will not go in. I will not come in. And even when the father came, he doesn't want to come in. Psalm 139, verse 23. 
This is a prayer that we have to pray every day. Because you don't know what is in your heart. You argue about what is in your heart. Serious sins, they are hidden in our hearts. So David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. This is how God really knows you. He searches and knows your heart. So he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. You see, no one knows what's in your thoughts. No one knows what you are thinking about. Right now, we don't know. We can look at your faces. You look very nice, but we don't know what you are thinking about. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? No one knows what is in your head. But God will try you and know your thoughts. If you avail it to you. He said, try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Any wicked way of pride. Any wicked way of unforgiveness. If there be any wicked way of jealousy. Any wicked way in me. He says, try me and know me. Try me and know my thoughts. Search me and know my heart. That is how God will know your heart. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a prayer that we have to pray every day. Every day. He said, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart. And know me. Know me. Know me. Sometimes our heart, it has... I, I think it was Bishop that was says It has a J point. There's a J point, J corner in your heart. That sometimes some of the saints go and hide there. Someone that has wronged you. And it has gone to hide there. And you think you are forgiving the person. But it's hiding there. You see, those sins, they are not obvious. But the younger, younger Christians and the younger brothers' sins, they were obvious. And he was full of repentance as he was coming. And the father ran, looking out for him. Every day, looking out. The father was the first one that saw him coming. He ran and he fell on his neck and welcomed him. His sins were obvious. And he admitted to his sins that I have sinned against you and against heaven. But not the elder brother. Not the elder brother. You say you are full of unforgiveness. He says, why me? No. What makes you say that? You see, what makes you say that? Who has said that before? What makes you say that? The reason why we say, what makes you say that is it means that there is nothing outward. There is nothing about me. There is nothing on my face that shows that I'm full of unforgiveness. There is nothing. So he says, what makes you say that? There is nothing that you can see. But he's full of unforgiveness. Hallelujah. Because there's nothing that we can see. That is why God does not look at how you dance, how you preach, how you sing as a chorister, how you, you play an instrument, how you, you arrange chairs, how you decorate the church. God does not look at any of that. He looks at what is in your heart. What is in your heart? What is in your heart? That is how he knows you. That is how he knows you. That is how he knows you. Now, whether you acknowledge it or not, that you have this sin in your heart or not, it is a big deal. Do you understand? Whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you admit that you are full of unforgiveness or not, it is a serious issue 
and it carries a serious consequence, whether you admit it or not. So it is proper for you to pray to God and say, search me, Lord. Search me and know me. Search my heart and know me. If there be any wicked way, any wicked way, know my thoughts, Lord. Ask him every day. Because whether you admit it or not, it's a very serious issue that carries a very serious consequences. Mark chapter 11 and verse 26. Mark chapter 11, verse 26. It says, But if ye do not forgive, if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. If you do not forgive. That means your father in heaven, there is nothing to explain about this scripture. It, it does not have another meaning. It does not carry 55 other meanings. It says, if you do not forgive, if you do not forgive, neither will your father which is in heaven will forgive your trespasses. That means, obviously, you have trespasses. Do you understand? It's not like Neither will your father which is in heaven forgive you when you, you acquire some trespasses. He says he will not forgive you your trespasses. That means you have trespasses. You were born in sin. You are not born again. The father will not forgive you of your sins. If you want to be born again, you are also ready to forgive another person who has trespassed against you. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 12. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12. It says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you understand? It says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, do not forgive us our debts as we do not forgive our debtors. Do you understand? But I want you to remember that the ratio is 100 pence to 10,000 talents. That is the ratio. So it is 100 days of wages. 100 days of wages. One pence is a day's wage. So it is 100 days of wages for your debtors to pay you compared to 160,000 years of your wages to pay your debts that you owe God. By calculation, 10,000 talents is equivalent to 100 and that is 60 million dollars compared to how much? 10,000 dollars. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That means, do not forgive us our debts if we do not forgive our debtors. Then verse 14, go to verse 14. I wish we could have put these four, these three scriptures, 12, 14, and 15. You, when you take your notes, put them together. And then he says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you your trespasses. Is it 12, 14? No, 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 I don't want 13. I want 12, 14, and 15. If you cannot, we can just read. 
12 and 14. 12 first. 12. Did you read 12? It says, and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Verse 14. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. What men owe you is nothing compared to what you owe your heavenly Father. Do you understand? I said, what men owe you is nothing compared to what you owe your heavenly Father. You owe your heavenly Father deliverance from kidney disease. You owe your heavenly Father deliverance from stroke. You owe your heavenly Father deliverance from heart attack. You owe your heavenly Father deliverance from a car accident that can kill you. You owe your heavenly Father deliverance from witchcraft activities that are prepared against you. You owe your heavenly Father a trap of the enemy that is set for you for tomorrow. You owe your heavenly Father a deliverance from hospitalization that can put you in a hospital for 24 days. You owe your heavenly Father deliverance from needing a transplant of your kidney or needing a transplant of your liver. You owe your heavenly Father from dying from an aneurysm, a bleed in your brain that can suddenly kill you. Compared to 100 pence compared to 100 pence of forgiving your neighbor who has wronged you. Compare that. Is it worth it? It's not worth it. It says, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then verse 15 says, but if ye forgive not men their trespasses, if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father, forgive your trespasses if you do not forgive. Amen. So it means that forgiveness from God, it is triggered by your ability to forgive another person's trespasses. That means when you forgive someone, you are triggering, you are triggering heaven's forgiveness of your debts. When you forgive someone. Do you understand? That means the door to open up forgiveness of your trespasses, it is the key to open that is your ability to forgive someone's trespasses that is against you. Hallelujah. He says, neither will your heavenly father, neither will your heavenly father forgive your trespasses. Hallelujah. So when someone does something wrong against you, it is an opportunity to receive forgiveness from heaven. Do you understand? If someone does something wrong against you, it is an opportunity for you to receive forgiveness from heaven. It is an opportunity. The, you, you should thank the person that you have wronged me, that I'm going to forgive you. You should thank the because what you are marking is a great credit to forgive your trespasses. And I'm telling you, the ratio is 100 pence to 10,000 talents. 100 pence to 10. Oh, the, our students do not understand. They don't understand. Okay. Let the science students explain. Listen, don't, I, I'm learning from the father. He says, when the art students do not understand, let the science students explain to the nearest science student explain to them. Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding the message tonight? Yes. It's an opportunity to receive forgiveness from God. Therefore, if somebody offends you, somebody offends you in the church, 
and out of that you leave. You leave the church. I'm not sure where you meet that person again. So you are going with unforgiveness. You have been offended. <laughs> Mercy. So, you see, you see, see we, Jesus told the parable so that we can understand in real life language, real life situations, what it means. Do you understand? That is how, that is how the parable should mean to you. When you hear of a parable, what Jesus says, he says, the kingdom of God is likened unto. Then he will look for things on earth to explain it so that you can understand how heavens are looking at unforgiveness. That is why Jesus tells parables. Because, you see, you cannot understand. You cannot understand in your human and, uh, imagination and understanding how the heavens are looking at this situation. Do you understand? So as you are, you are holding trespasses and grudges and unforgiveness against people, against your mother, against your father. You have unforgiveness against your brother, against your sister. That some who has done something against you and you have such unforgiveness against your shepherd, against your pastor, against your husband, against your wife. And you are bearing this unforgiveness in you and you are saying, I will never forget this until I die. You are saying to the Lord, Father, 10,000 talents, never forget this until I die. And he said, over my dead body. And then you are making the Lord also say to you, over your dead body, descends. Oh, yes. You see, you will not understand it until you relate a parable to. Yes. Yes. You write it in your diary. You say, this thing, I will never forget. Hey! You will never forget it. Some of you... You, people have wronged you and then you have written it down somewhere that when you die, you don't want them to come to your funeral. True or not true? That this person should not come to my funeral. And then you say, if he comes to my funeral and I open my eyes and I see the person standing there. So you are going to the grave with unforgiveness. You are going to the grave with unforgiveness. It's a serious sin. But they can elude you. It's a serious sin. But they can elude you. Hallelujah. You are saying over my dead body. Remember, God is also saying the same thing to you. But not just over your dead body, but 160,000 times over your dead body. Amen. So 100 pence versus 10,000 talents. $10,000 versus $60 million. 100 days of wages versus 160,000 years of wages. So you realize that the, the master said, there's no way he can pay. He cannot pay this. So put him among the tormentors, his wife, his children, generation to come, 160,000 years. You can't pay. Unforgiveness, it will lead you to hell. We want to end our message here and then we'll continue next time that we meet. Clap your hands together for Jesus. 
and stand to your feet. Unforgiveness. Oh Lord, search our hearts. Search our hearts. Our hearts full of unforgiveness, full of pride. Search our hearts and know us, Lord. Search me, Lord, and know me. Cleanse me, Lord. If there be any wicked way in my heart, if there's anything that is not pleasing to you, oh Lord, Father, tonight it is our prayer to search us and cleanse us. Hearts full of repentance. And Lord, we say, forgive us and cleanse us. Search us, Lord, and know us. Search our hearts and know us. Father, know us, for this is how you know us when you search our hearts. Tonight, Lord, we avail our hearts to you. For all things are naked. Father, there is nothing that is hidden in our heart before you. Therefore, Lord, search our hearts and cleanse us and purify us in the name of Jesus. And Lord, tonight we pray. Give us the ability to be able to forgive. Give us that light spirit. Father, to let go. Father, there are people who have wronged us. There are people who have done the abominable to us. There are people who have done wicked things to us. But tonight, Lord, we are reminding ourselves, oh God, that it's to our own interests and it's to our own advantage if we'll be able to forgive these people. Therefore, Lord, give us the ability. Whoever has wronged us, give us the ability to be able to forgive, to let go, to forgive and to forget in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, give us the ability to forgive not seven times, but 70 times, seven times. Give us the ability. For it is our own interest to be able to forgive. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. With all eyes closed and every head bowed, if there's anyone here tonight, you want to give your life to Jesus, you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to welcome Jesus Christ into my life. I want to be born again. If that is your prayer tonight, you want to give your life to Jesus. Beloved, do not let your sins take you to hell. The blood of Jesus is plenty and is ready to wash you and cleanse you. So tonight, you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that is you, lift up your hands wherever you are and I'll pray with you. Anyone here like that, you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to welcome Jesus Christ into your life. You want to be born again. Is there anyone here like that? Father, we are thankful and we are grateful. Is there anyone here like that? You want to give your life to Jesus. We glorify your name. We adore you, Lord. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you, Lord, that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We glorify your name. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands together for Jesus and you may We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. 
Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.